0: Finovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast.
1: Hey, and welcome to the Finnovate podcast. We are continuing our conversations with the Finnovate Spring Best of Show winners. And joining me today, we have Ariam Sium, VP of Product at Fingol. Ariam, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Hello, it's nice to join you.
1: So for people who haven't had a chance to watch your demo at Finnovate Spring, let's start with just a little bit of background on yourself and what Fingol is all about.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, so my name is Ariam Seum. I'm VP of Product at Fingol. Um, I've been with the company for some years in and, and a consulting uh, capacity, and I joined full-time in my current role as VP of product this January. Um, and essentially what we do is we build insights and data infrastructure for financial institutions.
1: Yeah, no, it's cool. And, and, uh Fingal was on stage at Finivate Fall as well, um, but let's let's talk about your Finivate Spring demo specifically this time. Before we get into that, though, there may be people out there who feel like they've seen this kind of you know data insights play before. Um, what about Fingal really sets you guys apart from everybody else?
0: Yeah, um, I think the fintech space has a lot left to be desired when it comes to serving actual human beings, um, and that's really where we shine. Uh, When it comes to our insights, it's the personalization that actually makes them worth anything. And when it comes to our technical solutions for our clients, which are the financial institutions, at the end of the day, we're improving the overall user experience. It's, It's also nice that it also happens to save the financial institutions money and time, but we're always focused on the humans that we're serving first.
1: Yeah, no, it's a classic example of where FinTech can really help all sides of the equation. You can help banks to um, do certain processes more easily. You can help the banks and customers to be able to have access to products and insights that they might not otherwise have been able to have. Um, It really is cool technology. Uh, What you demoed on stage at Spring, which really seemed to resonate with our audience, was this new piece, the Switch Kit, which allows developers to switch or change data aggregators much more easily. You know, I have a confession to make. This is not actually an area where I'm personally too knowledgeable. Can you help me understand why the switch kit is such a big deal?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I'll start with the definition of a data aggregator. It's essentially an um, infrastructure that takes data from your banks, um, whether that be Chase, Wells Fargo, your credit unions, um, takes that consumer data and makes it available um, within whatever application it is that you're using. And this could be for uh, you connecting to an application um, as far as a user is concerned. Um, And it could be also hosted within your actual like main bank, right? It could be a feature that they have like a Zelle or Venmo kind of feature. Um, So those data aggregators are essentially grabbing user data and giving you access to it for whatever reason that you have. Um, and the reason the switch kit is so important is that a lot of startups, a lot of uh, companies in the fintech space um, essentially got started um, with certain aggregators. And as their roadmap is changing and as their company is developing and they're entering new stages, um, what they realize is is either a the data is not that great it's not super clean or they're not able to get um the value that they need out of it um or you know the price point just doesn't make sense as you're scaling up and what they would like is the ability to be able to switch to another data aggregator um but such is the case that it's pretty difficult to do that. So essentially what's happened is that they've just melded together and now your product or your features are very dependent on the aggregator that you're already using. And they also might be very dependent on that historical data that you've had in that aggregator. And as a product leader, uh, manager, or whoever, you do not want to mess up any experiences that you currently have running and dependent on that. Um, But you would like to, down the roadmap, actually switch aggregators, and that's where we come in. Um, We've made switching easy and very simple. It used to be a process that is very time-consuming and requires a lot of engineering hours, to be honest. Um, And I think everyone can see that there's a very big crunch when it comes to engineering right now. Um, So we've taken care of that for them, and we're able to essentially switch you from aggregator A to aggregator read any any aggregators.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the pieces that we were talking about before we actually push record here is it's not that there's necessarily certain aggregators that are better than others. You know, there's a lot of different types of aggregators that offer slightly different things. And one of the pieces which I found really interesting, you know, the idea that you make a decision really early on which aggregator you want to get your data from, and then you kind of build a lot around that kind of aggregator, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a position where you know really you're sort of locked in. And there may be a lot of reasons why you could like your current aggregator. You could just want to try something else. There could be bits of data somewhere else that you want to go out and get. But it's really difficult to do that. And it's really also difficult to kind of imagine, you know, three years, four years down the road, how you could, how your needs could change. Um, and, And so, you know, one of the things that I'm curious about is what are you seeing in terms of how often You know, companies are in this position where they're looking to switch aggregators. I mean, obviously, the easier it gets, probably the more likely it is that they're going to be making changes here. But how often does this really come up?
0: So we experienced it firsthand. Um, And the reason why is one of our products that we offer is our insight based off of consumer spending um, habits. So we look at the transaction data and we're able to offer personalized advice on how to save money. Um, and our customers and our potential customers were coming to us and saying, yes, we'd love to do this. Um, and a simple analysis from us was just see that sometimes their data wasn't that great. it So they weren't able to get the full experience or the full suite of um, value for their end users as far as the insights that we could provide. Um, and when we started taking a look at, okay, well, these data aggregators we've had really great experiences with. Um, they provide very nice data. Um, they, they're very rich, and we can provide a lot of value using them. They would also share with us that, hey, we've actually wanted to switch aggregators in the past, but we haven't been able to. So even for this use case of providing personalized advice for our end users, you know, we're kind of stuck. Um, and that was very surprising to hear. I don't think people admit that. Hey, we got our product roadmap in a in a little bit of a tangle here, right? We're not we're married to this solution and can't leave it. Um, especially CEOs at companies, they don't want to hear that. <laughs> um, but, you know, we we went to the drawing board with that and and that's what motivated us that hey, we keep hearing this in the industry cuz obviously as a startup, you do not want to build too many things, right? (laughs) Um, So we did not want to build it initially, but it's just that we just kept hearing it over and over again in the industry. And we said, you know, this would be very valuable if we're hearing this from so many companies.
1: Well, and certainly, you know, I got the sense when you were up there on stage that there was kind of a personal element to it. When you're talking about some of the pain points, that I could kind of sense that this is something which you have some experience in this sort of feeling of be, finding this, this difficult on a personal level. And, and I think you did a really good job of letting the audience kind of explore their own potential feelings around this. Right. I'm sure this is not something which uh you guys came up with in a vacuum as, as you said right so there certainly are some stories out there some emotions out there that you were able to kind of tap into and and talk about it which again i think is one of the reasons why our audience was so uh, enamored with with your solution um it is really interesting to think about this um obviously it's still early stages right how long has switch kit been available or is it even publicly available yet
0: no it is publicly available um and we this is our first time publicly announcing it was at Finnovate, um Spring um, just a couple of weeks ago. But it's been available for about we've worked on it for the past year um, and it's been available probably since the beginning of the year. Yeah. OK. So yeah. six months.
1: Yeah, still Hi. early days for sure, yeah. um, but really cool to have it out there. And I'm sure you guys will, you know, you'll collect data on it. If, uh, I think that's probably a fair guess, given the nature yeah. of the company. <laughs> um, so I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about, you know, we've kind of have skipped past maybe one of the earlier pieces we should have talked about, which is, you know, why is getting this kind of data really important for financial institutions? I mean, I think it's one thing that a lot of people kind of generally recognize, but from your perspective, what really do banks need this kind of data for? What can they do for, do with it? What can they do for their customers with it? Let's just spend a couple of minutes talking about that side of it.
0: Yeah, um, I think in today's age, there's a lot of neobanks coming into the space Um, there's a lot of fintech applications coming into the space and a lot of them are very focused and centric to, hey, we're serving you, human being, right, Greg? Um, And we're serving you better than any other solution out there. We're serving you better than your traditional bank. We're serving you better than the other neobank solutions. We're serving you better than these other digital platform providers or applications. Um, But, the question is how, right? Like, what about you as a person are they honing in on and able to serve better than everybody else, right? Are, are they looking at you as your individual at, and the characteristics that actually make you who it is that you are um, and able to speak to that when it comes to the products and features that they're offering you? We see that with really anyone in the financial space. There you have access to a lot of data um, but they're not using it all, um, so it's not. It's not even necessarily that these these institutions need more data. Um, it's they need to start using their data better, um, and that means having access to clean data if they don't already, or making use of all of the data that they have on users' historical data. Um, and building, you know, personas, start to know who your end users are and start tailoring your messaging to them, tailoring your product offerings to them.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really cool when you think about it from that standpoint. And obviously you've got this kind of big carrot hanging out in the far off distance, but there's a lot of steps to get there. It's not just about having the data. You have to have the clean data. You have to understand which pieces of the data really give you the best insights, how to use them in an intelligent way. It is not easy, Um, even though we are collecting, I think, more data now than we've ever been able to collect at any point in our human history. Um, And and actually, this is something I'm really curious about. Zooming out, as someone who maybe I could call a data nerd and hopefully that's that's not offensive um (laughs) perfect I didn't figure but you never know um -hmm. you know are are we approaching a point where we will have enough data you know this kind of quote unquote where we have the data that we need to make uh, the right kind of decisions for bank customers or are there still other useful pieces out there which we need to go out and capture? Is there you know at any point a limit to the amount of data that we'll need to be able to have? I guess is is my question from a really high level.
0: I don't think there's a limit, but I also don't think that gathering as much data as you can makes sense if you're not even using the data you already have. Um, sure. So, like, yes, there's a benefit to collecting more and more data on users. like, and know their inner thoughts and what it is that they truly desire and serve that up in a in a manner that makes sense and is trustworthy and very transparent. of course, you want to maintain the integrity and something that they've opted in for. Um, but really like take take their problems before they even have them and start solutioning for it. Um, but it, you need to start with what data that you do have. you you need to start with the information that you, are sitting upon. Um, we've had like lots of cases where, you know, um, one of our uh, team members has talked about, you know, a a bank that they she's been with for over twenty five years, um, serving her um, information about opening up a trust fund for a child because they looked at her age possibly um and said okay you're at the age where you probably have a kid um that that needs to have a trust fund and it's like well if you looked at any of my transaction data right you would see that i've never purchased anything at any kid's store um um, i'm not at i'm not at any of these uh toys r us or the children's place or anything like that. But you made that assumption just because I'm a woman and I'm at this age, um, which is very telling. Yeah. Like like I said, a, a lot of us aren't using all of the data that we already have. Um, no, do we need more data? Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you kind of keep coming back to this, you know, it's about serving human beings, right? It's about understanding a person is on the other end of the transaction. And I think there's this growing expectation on the part of consumers that, you know, you should know about me. You've got the tools that you need to understand some pieces about me. And, you know, the example that you just gave was a perfect one where, you know, if you looked at all, you would know that I don't have kids and that I'm not gonna set up a trust fund for kids, right? But you, And so I think one of the challenges that the industry has is first off, obviously making Use of the data that they have, but also understanding that customers are expecting more and more here because they understand what data the banks probably have on them. And so you sit there and think, well, I know, know I can get personalized recommendations from Netflix, from Hulu, from Amazon, from you know iTunes, whatever the case may be. My Spotify can suggest music that I've got a really high chance of liking. Um, And so you get these experiences in all these other arenas. And now all of a sudden in the financial arena where you think you should have the most data on me, you should be the ones who understand me the best. And they're not able to kind of get over that threshold, which is obviously troubling. We've got time for one more question, and I want to just talk about the demo itself. Um, And and for people who haven't seen it yet, the demo videos will be available at finnovate.com, or you can check out the Finnovate YouTube channel and see uh, the exact demo that Arium did on stage. Um, But one of the things that I thought was really cool, you had code up on stage, up on the screen, for almost the entire seven minutes, and you kept it completely accessible to people who've never coded anything in their lives. Well, which I remember. <laughs> and, and so I thought that was really worth highlighting. You know, what kind of advice do you have for companies that are in the same kind of position that you're in, where you've got something that's more technical to show, that's really kind of aimed at the developer community? And then you also have a group of people who maybe don't know a ton about the technical side of things, but have to really understand the value of that product. What what would you say to future Finnovate demoers who are looking to do something similar?
0: Yeah, yeah. First, I just want to shout out Jen, who is a product analyst on our team, right? She was not an engineer and she was running the code for that (laughs) demo live, which I think is super impressive. And it was all powered by our amazing engineers that made it so simple for someone who's quite literally not an engineer to do. Um, But speaking to your question of what advice do I have for other people that are getting up on that stage or having something that's very technical to demonstrate, you know, I think it's super important to know how to speak to your customer. And a lot of companies and a lot of people spend plenty of time on that. But it's also important to know how to speak to your champions, right? Mm. Who are the people that are not necessarily your customer, but you know, they're friends with your customer. They're in the same rooms as them, right? They're doing business with them. Maybe they're a customer of your customer, or they're providing a solution for them as well on another end of the spectrum. And you know, how do you speak to them? You might be in the same space or maybe you're not, but like, how do you make it so simple that someone can understand what it is that you're doing and be able to not only understand it, but to speak to it and to recommend it, right? I I can't recommend anything I don't really know about, right? What is that conversation going to sound like? Uh. Um, maybe, maybe this one thing that I heard about might be something that you need. You know, like if I'm thinking those thoughts in my head, I'm probably not going to say anything out loud and make a recommendation. But if I really understand what the meat, you know, what the purpose of the product that is you're serving up is, then I can go tell my friend, right. And I can go tell others in a room. And that's where we started off. We said, how do we make this as simple as possible? Um, And that's why we had someone who was not an engineer running the actual demo, right? That's how simple it gets. Um, And I will say that we had multiple people on our team kind of going through the script and making sure to, um, you know, poke at some of the parts that maybe sounded a little too technical or needed to be broken down more, or where is somewhere that we can actually include an example, a real life example with common um, themes, um so i i would say that you know put some common common things in there
1: there's there's a lot of really interesting pieces to unpack there and i think it's clear that you spent just a lot of time thinking all of these angles through getting different people on your team to kind of take on different roles and the scripting and the review process Ultimately, as I said, it, it clearly worked. It resonated very well with our audience. Um, we do have to end this interview here, but it's worth, uh, as I mentioned, anybody who, who's interested in this should go check out the seven minutes from Finnovate Spring. You can also check out the demo from Finnovate Fall last September to get a more complete sense of who FinGoal really is. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and congratulations again to you and everybody on the team.
0: Thank you so much, Greg. Pleasure.